0: Together from the Word of God, first of all, the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, 14 to 28, Mark 1 beginning at verse 14, and this is then the Word of God. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. And then we turn to the text, Mark chapter 2. First 12, verses, and again he, Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God saying we never saw anything like this so far the text brothers and sisters in the lord jesus christ and boys and girls who belong to him as we saw at the baptism you belong to him too the main words around which everything in in the text is centered here this afternoon are son your sins are forgiven That's also the main thing you'll notice in the form for baptism. The infant baptism, which we read together earlier, the form dwells on the forgiveness of sins. It it portrays the washing away of sins. That was promised to little you and Andrew with the sign and seal of baptism, promised to all of us at our baptism the forgiveness of our sins. But how important is that really to you? In this world in which we live today, how important is the forgiveness of your sins? What can you do with the forgiveness of your sins today? Nowadays, there are a lot of other issues that are more worrisome, right? Isn't the church with its emphasis, its big emphasis on forgiveness of sins, responding to an issue that no one is worried about in our society and culture today anymore? Aren't the suffering and sickness and poverty and pollution and violence and crime and injustice in the world a lot more relevant issues for us today than sins? And the paralyzed man who comes to the fore in the text doesn't ask for forgiveness of his sins either. Think of how that man must have felt. He had no control at all over his arms and legs. He lay on his bed all day, always dependent on others, always needing to be carried around by others, dressed by others, fed by others. What do you think that man's biggest wish would be? I doubt that it was actually the forgiveness of his sins. He probably wanted more than anything just to be able to move around again, to be able to hold things in his hands, to be able to walk where he, he wanted to go. To be able to contribute to society, make a living, not be dependent. But Jesus simply said to him, son, your sins are forgiven. Maybe he was really taken aback at those words. That's not what he had been brought there for, right? To Jesus. Is that what a person with real struggles in his or her life really needs to hear? Your sins are forgiven you. Is that really the biggest need? Doesn't Jesus actually seem to disappoint people's expectations with those words? Well, let's consider what the Bible says in our text with this theme then. What can we expect from Jesus? Question. And three points come to mind here then. The great expectations of some friends in the second place, how Jesus fulfilled those expectations. And thirdly, the great expectations we may therefore have of him. So first of all, those, the expectation of those friends. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, Jesus himself uh, provoked a lot of expectation uh, focused on him when he began his ministry. Wherever he went, he proclaimed, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's coming. As we read. And he didn't only proclaim that, he also showed that in what he did. He healed the sick and the disabled, the people who were in the grip of evil spirits were freed and became themselves again. So he was all about the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven was on the way. Everything he said and did was about that. Jesus himself, through his ministry, aroused a lot of expectation. And you see that with all the people who came to hear and see him. People came from all over. In a short time, that house was, was packed with people right up to the doorway. You couldn't get in or out anymore. Nobody at all could get, come in or out. And I think the fire department today would have a conniption with so many people assembled in one building It was filled with people who were full of expectation. Expectation aroused by Jesus himself. But there's expectation and there's expectation. There were curious people who thought, "Eh, let's hear what Jesus has to say. Maybe he'll even perform a miracle and we can see that. However, the expectation of true faith is different from that kind of expectant curiosity. True faith is, what, is that you expect your help and salvation from Jesus. Those men had heard Jesus preaching about the kingdom of God, those friends. They had seen how he healed the, the blind and the deaf and the mute and the lame. And they believed that Jesus spoke and acted from God. We don't know exactly all they believed, but they, they believed that he alone could help and save. And so they were determined to bring their friend to him. Jesus would help their friend, they figured. He could heal. And with that faith and expectation, that group of men tried to push their way into, into that house to, to reach Jesus, carrying a kind of, Uh, carrying a bed, I would assume a kind of a mat, maybe, with their paralyzed friend laying on it. However, they they couldn't get in. They pushed through all those people. No way they could get to Jesus. So what could they do? Try again another time? No, they, they wanted Jesus for their friend. And they wanted to bring him to Jesus no matter what. And that's why they manhandled their friend on his bed, his pallet, all the way up to the roof. Must have been quite a job. He was dead weight, and things were not set up for the handicapped as they are nowadays. But they got him up in his bed, and they took him to the spot where they heard Jesus' voice coming from below. And then they started breaking open the roof, removing tiles or so from the roof of the house. The people inside probably protested about what was happening, but these friends did not care they acted in the expectation that Jesus alone would help their friend. And so there they were looking down on Jesus through the hole in the roof of the house where he was staying. And note that they didn't think, let's see what Jesus can do. No, they had faith. Jesus said, it says in the text, Jesus saw their faith. They had faith in Jesus that he could do something to help. They believed that the kingdom of God was at hand and that Jesus was sent from God. Maybe they even believed in a certain way that he was a promised savior. In any case, they didn't let anything or anyone stop them from going to Jesus and they didn't care what the other people might say or do. They went to Jesus. Actually, we can learn from their determination, right? Don't let anything or anyone stop you from seeking out Jesus from day to day in your life and we learn too that if we have a friend who needs help or comfort or salvation we need to bring that friend to Jesus in prayer like those friends brought that suffering man to Jesus there were as we said before most likely people who were who protested when they made that hole in the in the roof Jesus' preaching was interrupted. People had to push back as dust fell down from above, you can imagine. And that, that bed or that pallet with the paralytic on it was lowered down right in front of Jesus. Maybe people said, who, who do these th- guys think they are? Couldn't they have waited till later with their friend? But those men with their paralyzed friend didn't care. They were there where they knew they should be close to Jesus, and they looked down through the hole in the roof with great expectation. They expected Jesus to do something for the friend, and Jesus saw their faith, it says, their great expectations in him. Others around them only saw a bunch of brazen fellows butting in where they weren't wanted, but Jesus saw faith in him in what he could do. He saw eyes and hearts that expected much from him, That's actually how we all need to look to him, right? In faith, brothers and sisters, expect a lot from Jesus. Sometimes, I'm afraid, we don't expect enough from him. There's a saying, you can never expect too much from Jesus. And our text shows that he will not put to shame those who expect everything from him. And that brings us to the second part of the sermon, how Jesus fulfilled those expectations those men had. It says in verse 5 of the text that Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus was still just at the beginning of his ministry. He had healed people already from sicknesses and disabilities and demon possession. But up to this point in his ministry, we're never told that he pronounced forgiveness of sins to anyone. But that's what he does with that paralytic man. And he does that obviously because he sees true faith here great expectation of him that refused to be deterred by anything. And he figured now now I can show people too proclaim through this through what I say and do now what I'm about. Son, he says, your sins are forgiven you. That sounds a lot like like a lot less than So many others had received from Jesus. They were healed of sicknesses and disabilities and freed of the grip of evil spirits. And you can imagine how ecstatic those people were when they could live their lives to the full again. But this paralytic here was told his sins were forgiven. But in the meantime, he still couldn't move a muscle. It certainly looked like he received a lot less from Jesus than all the others who had been cured and restored and freed of evil spirits could live their life to the full. Why did this man receive less than the others? Well, Jesus wanted to use the occasion, as we mentioned, to teach people not to be fooled by appearances. The man received much more. And he teaches us to expect much from him then too. You see, Jesus actually gave this man a lot more than those others, a lot more. Son, your sins are forgiven. With all the healings before, Jesus had been dealing with just the outward visible symptoms of the real misery for which people need help from him. He dealt with sickness and disability and pain. But the real cause of all suffering and misery still remained. Those people would still eventually suffer and die too. The real cause of all suffering and misery remained. And it's like if somebody gives a sick person some pills for pain caused by cancer. The pain might go away for a while, but the cancer remains. The cancer has to be dealt with if there's any hope. So the healing of many from sicknesses and disabilities was fine, but be, being healed by Jesus didn't mean that you'd, it would never get sick again those people would get sick again. And that's because the sicknesses and disabilities were only symptoms of the great problem of this world, the problem of sin after our fall in paradise. That's at the root of it all. Sin has to be dealt with, first and foremost. It's the great problem. And then in the future, Jesus will also deal with all the other misery and suffering in the world. And so when Jesus said to that paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven, he was actually truly giving this man his life back again. He dealt with the root of the man's misery, which wasn't his paralysis, but his sin. And I'm not saying that this man's paralysis was the result of some some or other sin he had committed personally. No, but the fall and sin of mankind as a whole has affected creation and has also affected the health and well-being of mankind. That's where why there are diseases in the first place, and disabilities, and pain. That's why there's suffering and deterioration of health and infirmity. That's why there's there's misery in the world. But we see here there's also hope and expectation in Jesus' proclamation and presence there. He came and proclaimed the proclamation was that the kingdom of heaven was coming. And that means paradise is going to be restored. And then he healed a lot of people at the time of their sickness and disabilities to emphasize that. It was like an exclamation mark on what he was seeing. With those miracles at the time, he showed that paradise would, would certainly be restored in the future. And a time of perfect peace and glory and glorification would come in which there would be no suffering or pain or tears anymore forever. But before that paradise can be restored, sin has to be dealt with, the root of it all. What stands between man and God has to be removed, and that's what Jesus came for, to open the way to paradise by dealing with our sin and guilt before God. The angel who... uh, announced the coming of Jesus' birth, said to Joseph and Mary, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And he did that through his death, through taking on himself the sentence and the curse for the sins of all his people. So what expectations can we as believers have of Jesus Christ also for the new year which is coming up? Not that we're going to be healthier and that we won't have any troubles or infirmities to deal with here anymore. No, what you can expect from Jesus is forgiveness of all your sins. But that's, that is an immense gift if you think about it. It means you can look to the future with expectation no matter how broken your life is here. In Christ, you have a future, a great future. For the root of all trouble and struggle and sorrow in this life, which is sin, has been dealt with by Jesus. And he, he washes away your sins as signified by the water of baptism. Son, daughter, says Jesus to you, your sins are forgiven. And therefore, no matter what difficulties and sorrows you may have to deal with in the new year, you know that Jesus has opened the way to paradise restored for you. You can say that Jesus has opened a hole in the roof that leads to heaven. And that brings us to the last Part of the sermon, the great expectations we may have of Jesus, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, there were teachers of the law in that house, and they weren't very happy with what Jesus said to that paralyzed man about the forgiveness of sins, and they were thinking, well, this fellow's a blasphemer who can forgive sins by God alone, and you know something? They were completely right, thinking that God alone can forgive sins. Where they were completely wrong, though, is that they didn't want to accept That Jesus was God, God's son sent to save from sin. So Jesus, who knows the thoughts of men's hearts, shows them very clearly that he speaks with God's authority. He shows that he is the one sent by God with the power not only to deal with the root of all sickness and disability and misery, which is sin, he also is, and above all, is able to deal with those effects of sin and disability because he deals with that sin he says to that paralyzed man lying on that mat, then I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. That shows you that I have the authority to also forgive sins because only God could make that man walk. And that's what that man did. He walked out. And therefore, everybody had to realize this man, this man Jesus, isn't all words. He has the power of God in him, the power to forgive sins. This man is the promised son of man, the Messiah who opens the way to the kingdom of heaven, to paradise. It says so simply in the text that immediately the man arose, took up the bed and walked out in full view of them all. What a mighty wonder. This man's muscles must have been, must have been withered away over all the years. But now he suddenly had muscles and the ability to walk Immediately, and the people fell back to let him walk out, completely astonished, and they glorified God and said, we've never seen anything like this. Congregation, let us be amazed and glorify God for the power of his son, Jesus Christ. He has the power to forgive, also the power to heal and restore. Let's be thankful for that greatest gift of all, the forgiveness of our sins. All the sins of the past year 2019 and before, forgiven by Jesus who gave himself for sinners. And let's be thankful for the hope that comes with that complete forgiveness of our sins, the healing of all sickness and the removal of all pain and the taking away of all our sorrows in the future. Yeah, <clears throat> the the anchor association for the handicapped is still needed for now and the hospitals and care facilities and doctors and nurses are still required for this time for now caregivers and wheelchairs still needed it's true that that paralyzed man received forgiveness of his sins and was healed right afterwards what he received though we still need to wait for why why doesn't jesus take away all pain and suffering and all disability in this life. Why doesn't he, didn't he do that at the same time that he forgives sins? Well, because he wants to see faith from you. Faith and growing in faith from all of us. He wants us all to live life here in great hope and expectation of him. That's what the baptism on this last Sunday of this year points us to with that sprinkling of water. The Lord said to little Ewan, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And we may believe that all our sins have been washed away too, just as certainly as we were washed with the water of baptism. By his power, Jesus has overcome sin and death for you. And because he has the power to promise you the forgiveness of all your sins, you can expect that by that same power, he will also restore your body to everlasting life in the future, completely restored, able to live forever. What a glorious hope we have, according to our text. We're shown that that gift of eternal restoration will certainly follow the great gift of the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins at our baptism will be followed by that restoration of all things. And so our text and the baptism this afternoon tell us that we may live our lives here in great hope and expectation as we look ahead to the new year too. Julia and Dave, do your best to teach your son to expect everything in life from the Lord Jesus in whose name he was baptized. He was promised the forgiveness of sins. Instruct him in that. And congregation word and sacrament this afternoon tell you also to expect everything from the Lord Jesus in the new year too. He has already said at your baptism, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven you. And therefore, you may expect that all the rest will come too. In the future, comfort, healing, and everlasting joy. Amen.